This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. We're going to be reading a passage in a little bit from Romans chapter 5. So if you want to excuse me, chapter 6. So if you want to just find that in your Bible, we'll be there after a bit and you can follow along um, as we read. We're in the second series, second Sunday in a series uh, that we began last Sunday called God's Plan A. And and the, the subtitle is essentially, there is no plan B. All right, he's only got one plan. And uh, and we talked about that last week. And some, if somebody can remember, somebody was here last Sunday, the plan is what? Us, the church. How many were here last week? Yeah, that's why we say take those notes. And that's why Andy said go back and and watch that sermon again, you know, because, you know, kind (laughs) of. Discipleship is what we're talking about today. Discipleship is a peculiarly Christian word, I think. I don't hear that word being thrown about in the workplace and businesses. I don't hear baseball teams talking about discipleship. You know, I think it fits and it goes along with Christianity. And we talk about it a lot. And if you've been around a healthy church for very long, you know sort of what it means and that Jesus told us to make disciples. But here's, here's the deal. It's one of those words that we use a lot in Christianity that's not in the Bible. Does that surprise you? The word discipleship is not in the scriptures in a word that says discipleship. It's not there. So we have to ask the question, why do we talk about it? Why do we look for in the church ways to accomplish it? Why is it an important part of our understanding here at Nagset Church? Why is it an important part of our understanding of the church? Well, the word might not be in the Bible, but there are lots of scriptures that identify it and speak to it and encourage us to be in on it. We're going to look at some of those today. One misconception that some people have, and if this is your misconception, I'm glad this morning to straighten you out. All right. One misconception that people have is that the goal of the gospel in the Bible, especially the New Testament, is simply to get people saved. Now, let me ask you a question. Does God want people to be saved? Of course he does. That's why Jesus died. Uh, so that we might be saved. And it's true that God wants mankind to be reconciled to him through faith in Jesus Christ, his son. But when someone puts his or her faith in Jesus as Savior and is saved, and by the way, that's a good biblical word, you know, in in our modern attempts in Christianity to be relevant, you know, we've thrown some words out, you know, well, that just, what, what does it mean? I'll tell you what save means. Save means when the lifeguard goes out into the ocean and pulls somebody out of a rip and, and, and prevents them from drowning. That's saved, isn't it? That's what Jesus did for you and me. We were in the rip. And we didn't know how to get out. We couldn't get out. And Jesus said, I'm going to jump into the water and get you. And that's what he did. So it's a great word. It's a biblical word. Um, but it's, it's not the end. Being saved is not, okay, I'm saved, that's it, it's all, all over and done with, I'm good. 
with God, I got my fire insurance and I'm, I'm okay now. It's not the end, it's the beginning of the Christian life. There is a journey ahead that never ends. We have some folks in this room this morning who have recently, within this year, have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. And you are you're newborns in Christ. You are newly saved people. You have recently had your sins forgiven and been given eternal life by God. And I want to say especially to you, but I want to say to us older veterans of the Christian life, salvation, the moment that you put your faith and trust in Christ, was not the end. It was the beginning. So this morning, Andy and I are going to teach some things the Bible says about what it takes to be a disciple of Christ. Now, the word disciple, is that in the Bible? Some of you are not so sure. Yeah, a whole bunch of times. What does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? And that will include how to become a disciple, which might be surprising to some of us. How do I become a disciple? I'm going to share what Jesus said. So what's a disciple? If you're taking notes, I hope you are. A disciple doesn't have to be a believer, and a believer doesn't have to be a disciple. Some of you are saying, oh man, you already messed me up with that very first statement. A disciple doesn't have to be a believer, and a believer doesn't have to be a disciple. I want you to think with me here. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer out loud because some of you say, I'm scared to answer now. Let me ask you a question. But think. Think the answer in your your head. I hear voices. Think the answer in your head. Was Jesus, excuse me, was Judas a disciple? Some of you just can't resist talking back. You know what I mean? Was Judas a disciple? Listen to Matthew 10, verse 1. Summoning his 12, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. That's Matthew 10, 1. Well, you go to verse 2, then if we don't have it on the screen, but if you were to read that, Matthew lists all 12 of those disciples, and guess whose name is on the list? Judas. So now you can answer out loud. Was Judas a disciple? What about Thomas? Thomas doubted after the resurrection. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I can put my finger touch in the wounds in his hands and in his side. I, I will not believe. I'm a doubter. And doubt is the opposite of belief, is it not? Either I believe or I doubt. Was Thomas a disciple? He was. Now, Judas and Thomas, by the way, at, the, and the, at that point in time, remember Jesus, <laughs> Jesus said, okay. <laughs> remember, and Thomas realized, what a dumb thing I just said. My Lord and my God, he said to Jesus. He was a believer at that point. But Judas was never, as far as we know, a believer. But he was a disciple, wasn't he? On that time, one person said yes. <laughs> Judas was a disciple, wasn't he? Okay. All right, how can that be? Disciple, what's the word disciple mean? Disciple means learner. Disciple means learner. So some of you are going to say, you know what, I quit being a disciple when I was in the first grade. You know, I just, uh, I'm not going to learn anything more. Disciple means learner. And the way disciples in those days learned was by following a mentor. A lot of you thought, oh, I thought disciple meant follower. Disciple means learner, but the way they learned was to attach themselves to a mentor, to a rabbi, to a teacher. 
and follow them around everywhere they went. These guys followed Jesus for three years, and that was their school. Walking and talking and eating and socializing and listening to Jesus. And in doing so, they were learning, weren't they? To walk with a mentor was how you learn from him. So, disciple doesn't have to be a believer, and believer doesn't have to be a disciple. We'll explain why that is the case in just a moment. So, the next point this morning is this. Christians are born into God's family. The new birth that Jesus spoke to Nicodemus about. Being regenerated, become a new creation, as Paul explained it. Christians are born into God's family. Disciples, however, are somehow made. Where does it say that in the Bible? You're familiar with the Great Commission, aren't you? Maybe not, but let's read it together. Words are up on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 28, 19. Jesus says to his disciples, Go therefore, come on, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. So Christians are born, disciples are made. Made by who? Made by other disciples. That's what Jesus just said. A Christian is someone who has believed in Christ alone as Savior. Disciples are made. And Jesus said there are three steps in making disciples. It's one... Your salvation when you were saved, listen to me, was a one-time event. I trusted Christ when I was a Savior when I was a 10-year-old boy. Right? That, and that hasn't changed. Because when I was a 10-year-old boy and I said, Jesus, I believe in you, I put my faith and trust in you, he forgave me of my sins and he gave me what kind of life, church? Everlasting, eternal life. And so people say, yeah, but what if you mess up? Okay, well, you tell me when God says everlasting, what did he mean? God is, you know, of all the people in the universe, not that he's a people in the sense of a human, but all the persons in the universe, God above all else is the one who says what he means and means what he says. Sometimes we don't. God always does. And he says, I'll give you everlasting Life, it's a one-time event. The other two steps take a lifetime. So number one, the making of a disciple begins with an act of obedience. And that act of obedience is baptism. We're having baptism at 11 this morning. I have two young people who are going to be baptized. Who have put their faith in Christ. They've already become Christians. They're going to say to everybody else today, I'm a Christian, and they're going to follow the Lord in baptism. What, why is baptism important? Well, baptism does several things. Number one, it identifies me with Christ. Identifies me with Christ. Now, you've got Romans chapter 6 open in, in your scripture, in your Bible there. It's going to be up on the screen if you don't. But Paul says baptism pictures are being in and with Christ a number of ways. Follow with me while I read, starting at verse 3. Or are you, says to the Christians in Rome, are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized, listen, into his death? We're looking at ways baptism identifies us with Christ, all right? You might want to underscore these in your Bible or note them. Therefore, we were buried with him. 
by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we may walk in a new way of life. For if we have been, what? Joined with him in the likeness of his death, we certainly will also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with who? With him. We're identifying with him in baptism in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is free from sin's claims. Now, if we, again, died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die. Again, death no longer rules over him. For in in light of the fact that he died, he died to sin once for all. But in light of the fact that he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves, those of you Christians, you've been baptized, you follow Christ in baptism. He says, you consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Where? In Christ Jesus. Baptism identifies me with Christ It identifies me, secondly, with the church. Now, we mentioned this last week, and I read this scripture last week, but I'm going to read it again. So, Acts 2.41, those who accepted his message, Peter's preached this sermon, those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. If you were here last Sunday, them is who? The church, the very first church in Jerusalem. The 120 that began this prayer meeting and then the Holy Spirit came and Peter gets up and preaches. And these people say, we want Jesus as our Messiah too. And and so they're baptized and they were added, in their baptism, they were added to the local church of Jerusalem. All right, so it identifies us with the church. Now, we are for our guests, our sign doesn't say it, our name doesn't say it, but we are a Baptist church. And then some of you say, I didn't know that. And now you're getting scared, all right? Nothing, hopefully nothing to be scared about. And one of our beliefs as a Baptist church is that there are two ordinances of the church. Everybody knows what an ordinance is. An ordinance is something that's been required by law, requires a commandment, a command, um, a rule that requires our obedience. Because if you don't obey the ordinance in the town, somebody's going to likely write you a ticket, all right? So you can't do that. If I go out after May 1st, if you do, and I want to drive my my truck on the beach, right? In the town of Nags Head, there is an ordinance that says can't do that after May 1st. And if you're out there doing it, so I don't care, I'm going to do it anyway. Jimmy Pierce, raise your hand. Jimmy's the guy who will give you a ticket right there, right? (laughs) Just want you to know when you see that big blue truck says Nags Head Police and the blue lights are coming on and you're on the beach, say, April 30th, all right. <laughs> well, that's what I said. May, if you drive on May 1st, that's the ordinance. Jimmy will be the, and you, hey, listen, if that happens, pull the church card. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jimmy, you're, you're next at church, right? <laughs> that's what I would do, all right. <laughs> I'm just telling you. You've never done that before, Rick. Oh, yes, I have. Now, we have two ordinances in the church. 
Two commands from Jesus that we are required to obey, not to make us Christians, but to show that we are his disciples. And those two ordinances are baptism and communion. Both commanded by Jesus, both part of our fellowship in the church. Well, where did Jesus command baptism? We just read a few moments ago, go into all the world, all the nations, and make disciples. And the first thing he said to make disciples was to do what? Baptizing them. All right, so yes, it's a command from Christ. Get it? Good. All right, now, number three, it identifies me as a disciple. Baptism does. In fact, it starts me on the road of learning. It announces when I am baptized. And by the way, you only need to be saved one time. You only need to be baptized one time after you're saved. Right? As long as it's a biblical baptism, baptized one time after you're saved. It announces Jesus is not only my Savior. I want him as my Lord. So I am obeying him in baptism. That's a way that we begin to obey Christ. We just... We obey the first things. We do the early things. He said, be baptized. I'm going to obey him in baptism. Yet, just as a Christian life, as I said, doesn't end with new birth, discipleship doesn't end with baptism. You say, good, I've been baptized. That makes me a disciple? Maybe. It doesn't end there. It's just the beginning of your life as a learner of Jesus Christ. Number two, according to what Jesus said, Discipleship continues with teaching. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and teaching them, he said. It continues with teaching. When you are learning from Jesus, as the first disciples did, and they learned from him, walking with him up and down from Galilee to Judea and back, seeing how he dealt with every situation life brought along, and and that's how we learn from Jesus as we learn and we see how life can be handled in Christ, you discover how Jesus wants me to live. And what helps me do that? Teaching. We need to be taught. All of us need to be taught. So teaching is part of discipleship. So here this morning, you're being taught, are you not? At least I'm trying my best, okay? You're being taught if you're receiving, all right? Remember, I used to watch when I was a little boy, there was a show on TV, and I, and I think it was on TV for years and years and years called Romper Room. Anybody remember Romper Room? And Miss Sally, Miss Peggy, Miss whoever her name is, you know, would say, sometimes you would say, okay, boys and girls, let's put on our thinking caps. Mom, I don't have one of those. You're just like your father. Now, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Um, You're you're a learner. What she was saying was, listen and learn. You're a learner if you're receiving. You're You're being taught if you're receiving. So discipleship continues with teaching. But it doesn't stop there. It says discipleship number three is proven by obedience to Christ because he said, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Everything. What does everything mean, by the way? It's kind of like the word all, isn't it? It's, it? It doesn't exclude anything that Jesus taught them. That means we can't pick and choose. Well, I like, like what Jesus said about this, but I don't like what Jesus said about that. I don't know if you ever do that. I do sometimes. 
you know, Lord, I'm... why did you have to say it like that? You know, that kind of grates on me. That tells me, Rick, stop and think about the way you're living your life because maybe there are some changes that need to be made. We just finished a series a couple of weeks ago through 1 John using this next verse as our theme, and it applies so well as we're talking here about being a disciple. 1 John 2.6 says, The one who says he remains in him. The one who says, I'm a disciple. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Should live like Jesus. Should do what Jesus said to do. Being a disciple is really like playing follow the leader when we were kids. It's learning to respond, learning to pray, learning to be bold, learning to have compassion, learning to serve, learning to sacrifice like Jesus did. We learn all those things from Christ. I've been a Christian, as I said, for a long time, been 52 years since I put my faith in Christ as a 10-year-old. And early on, I'm so glad that early on, and I don't know who told me this for the very first time. My goodness, I was in Sunday school. I was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I was in church every time my mom dragged me to church. So, I mean, I heard these things over and over and over. I was told the Lord, Rick, Rick, the Lord wants you to grow and mature. He doesn't want you to be stationary. There have been periods in my life, frankly, when I haven't grown very much at all. And that's been my choice. I can't blame it on oh, my situation in life, my, my family, my wife, my job, my boss, my church, my pastor. That was my choice when I didn't grow much at all. And, and, and I made the choice personally not to intentionally stay close to Christ. So I didn't represent him well in my life at different periods of time. And some of those times have been while I've been a pastor. Oh, no, 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 that can't be. Pastors, you guys are perfect, right? <laughs> Come on. Take a look, you know. No, we're not. Follow me around for, for a few minutes. <laughs> we're not. And there have been times in my life, however, when I grew like a plant that just got fertilized and watered, especially I remember times in my youth, but also in recent years. And so if I look back and I, and I was to chart my journey as a disciple from the time I was a 10-year-old boy. How did I do in obeying Christ and learning of Christ and seeing Christ change? My life would look, my chart would look like a roller coaster. Because I would have my peaks and I would have my valleys. I would have my desert times and then I would have my rainforest. That's probably not unusual for most of us here, but it seems the scriptures have a lot to say about this spiritual journey, steadily climbing. And the scriptures call the journey a number of things. For example, Jesus called it abiding. John chapter 15, verse 5, five he said, if you abide in me, right? That's another word for being a disciple. If you abide in me, it's, and and. and in Jesus is where I learn, in Christ. Jesus said this discipleship is, is, is a journey is called being. Luke chapter 8, verse 15, when he said, he called it being, listen to his words, this is about being a disciple. He's talking about being good soil that produces much fruit. 
That's about being a disciple. Good soil that produces much fruit. Now, how many of you are gardeners? <clears throat> Some of you have already been out in your yard planting and getting ready for gardening, whether it's flowers or, or <clears throat> plants. I think the azaleas are blooming in my yard. I love that time of year. It doesn't last long, but it's beautiful. But you know if you're a good gardener and you want your garden to produce much fruit, one of the things you have to do periodically is get down on your hands and knees and pull weeds, don't you? Oh, man, do I hate that. But you have to pull the weeds out of the bed, out of the bed or out of the yard or out of wherever it might be, out of the garden, in order that the nutrients might go into the fruit that you want to bear fruit. That's being a disciple. It means every now and then we got to yank the weeds out. Right? That's called confession of sin, repenting of sin, turning away from the things that are taken away from my growth. Being. It's my openness to learn, being good soil. Then discipleship is called in the scripture growing. Growing. In a number of, of passages, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 2, 2 Peter 3, the word grow is there. And grow means it's a process of learning. You don't learn all there is to know about Jesus because you took took some classes, and Andy's going to talk about, that doesn't, we don't have any misconception that you're going to learn everything there is to know. But it is a process. I'm, I'm so thankful and so glad to say that even after 50 years of being a Christian, and most of that time being a, a learner, I am still learning today. I'm still learning today about Christ and, and things of God. It's, it's growing. It's the process. It's, Peter calls it desiring the word. A disciple desires the word. It's why I love to see folks. Let me just tell you, I love to see folks show up on Sunday with a Bible in their hand or looking at the scripture on their device and taking notes or making sure that they're learning. Their, why are they here? I want to learn today about Christ, about what it means to be a Christian. I desire, <clears throat> but not just on Sundays. Not just on Sundays. It ought to be in your life a daily desire. Because he says, he says, as newborn babes, Peter says, just like newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word. You now babies, man, you, the only way to shut them up is to feed them. You know what I mean? And they're always hungry and they desire the milk. All right? That's how we need to be as, as young Christians, as newborn babes, desiring the milk of the word of God. That talks, desiring talks about my passion for being a disciple. And then another word describes the journey as maturing. Again, Colossians 1.28, Colossians 4.12, Hebrews 5.11 through 14, James 1.4, Hebrews 5.11 says, By this time you all ought to be teachers, but you haven't matured. You're not teaching. He says you've been a Christian long enough, you need to be discipling someone else. It's the on, maturing is the ongoing goal of learning. I'm learning why? So that I can be mature. And the goal of, the goal of growth is maturity, although that, again, doesn't happen overnight. It's just like if you have a, when you have a baby, a newborn, a toddler in your house, and you go in one morning to get them up out of bed, out of the crib, whatever it might be, and they sit up and then they've got, 
you know, man, they, they've got a five o'clock shadow, you know, and the, and, and the kid says, Dad, can I have the keys to the car this evening? What happened to my little one? You know, it, 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 it takes a period of time. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's a process. We start out as brand new babes in Christ because of the new birth when we accepted him as our savior. We drink in the sincere milk of the word. But just like a child, we have to, we have to move past the milk. And onto, in Hebrews 11, it says, onto the solid food as we grow. God's end goal then for every one of us who are Christians and who desire to be disciples, God's end goal is for every one of us to learn Christ and to be like Christ. But not every Christian, not every partner in the church grows. That's true. I mean, I've been doing this pastoring for well, this church for 27 years, and, and, and not everybody grows, and that's sad. There have been times I told you when I wasn't growing. But that's our choice if we're not. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 and 2. He said, brothers, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people. Couldn't even talk to you like you knew what, who God was. You don't know things about God. I couldn't talk, and he's talking to Christians here. I couldn't talk to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. In other words, you've not yet been reborn. He said, I had to talk to you as babies in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, because you were not able to receive it. You don't take that newborn home from the hospital and, and hold it and then cut up a nice, rare steak and put a fork in it and shove that in that kid's mouth, do you? Either they'll spit it out. They yeah, got no teeth. And if they try to swallow, they'll choke. They're not able to receive that yet. Paul said, I couldn't, I couldn't give you solid food because you're so immature. It takes encouragement to grow. How do we grow? It takes encouragement, it takes community, serving with, with one another, being in small groups, worshiping together, and we need teachers and models to follow. Paul encouraged the Thessalonian church. He said, you know what? You guys are, you're, you're, you're doing great. He said, I want you to just keep. He couldn't say this to the Corinthians. To the Corinthians, he said, man, I can't even talk to you like your spiritual people. You're doing so badly. But to the Thessalonian church farther up north in Greece, he said, he said, you guys keep on doing what you're doing. First Thessalonians 4.1, he said, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us how you must walk and please God. What was he saying to them? You've been taught, have you not? Paul says by us, by him and those who are traveling with him, you've been taught by us how to live as a Christian. Just as you've been doing this, as you are doing, he said you must walk and please God as you are doing, now get this, do so how much? Even more. What was he saying? Keep on keeping on. Don't stop now. Don't get to the place where you said, you know what, Lord, I'm really tired about learning about you. I wouldn't say that to him, you know. I mean, it, but some, we say that to him by our actions. When we don't pick up his word daily and read it, we decide I don't need to go to church today. I don't need to be in a small group. We're saying, you know, you know Jesus, I'm okay right now like I am. Paul says, even so more. Do so even so more. So how do we accomplish? What do we do here at Nags Head Church to make disciples? Andy's going to come up right now and kind of go through with you Nags Head Church's 
process for doing this. Andy? I do want to clarify that Rick and I didn't text each other and say, hey, what blouse are you wearing today? Mom didn't dress us today. It's just we thought the same thing, which for Rick has got to be scary <laughs> to realize he's starting to think like me. Well, in January, I became the bus driver. For years, we've had a discipleship strategy here at Nags Head Church, and let's picture it like a bus. But for a few years, there was no bus driver. And uh, some of you have been longtime partners, and you remember when we were like, let's get through these classes so we get that certificate. And we would have you come up and hold up your certificate. The son of you got, I took all my classes, right? Well, we're not going to do that anymore, right? We're going to slow the bus down a little bit. And so our goal now is not to rush through. Uh, we also used to say, just take whatever class you feel you need to take next. And that's out the window as well. We're going to go in order, and there's a reason for that, because each class builds on the next. And we're going to slow it now. So instead of trying to get through in a year, it might take you two and a half, three, four years. There's no hurry to get through the classes. We're not going to rush. The other mistake we made that we're changing now is there was no follow-up. You took the class mostly. And then nobody even checked on you after you took it to see if you were putting into practice the things that you were learning in that class. And so that's going to change as well. And some of you are going to change, right? Remember, when you became a partner at Nags Head Church, we said we change things often. And if you don't like change, you're not going to have fun at Nags Head Church. So we're changing some things. Um, Rick kind of pointed out, it's in the, it's in the title of the sermon, um, discipleship, it's not a destination, right? You don't arrive as a disciple. It continues all the way through your life. The moment you arrive as a disciple is the moment you're home with the Lord in heaven. That's, it's a continual lifelong process. A disciple's a learner. Um, it's not a destination because we should always be learning, learning from God's Word and growing. So it's not a destination. It's a direction that we're continually moving on as we grow. So let me talk about our baseball diamond. It's up on the screen behind you as well as the classes that we're going to go through. And what we're trying to do, how many baseball fans? Yes, it's baseball season. Last night or yesterday afternoon at 3.30, I was out on a dirt field behind First Flight Middle School with a bunch of 9- and 10-year-olds practicing our baseball. We're a baseball team, and, and it's rough, really rough. And, but we're having fun. I love baseball. And so we have it up here as a baseball diamond, and it's a process you go through. Just like when you're playing baseball, you don't hit the ball and run to third, right? Unless maybe you're playing t-ball, because that happens sometimes in t-ball, right? <laughs> no, run the other way. So we're going to go around the bases in order. Let me talk real quick about them. First of all, the first one is 101, Discovering Nags Head Church. And uh, this class talks about salvation, baptism, doctrine, what we believe is a church. Um, our purpose and vision as a Nags Head Church. So if you're a regular attender and you've been coming to Nags Head Church for quite some time, it's time for you to take 101 and become a partner of Nags Head Church. That's the first step. Second base is this, discovering the basics. This is one of my favorite classes because we learn how to have a daily quiet time. I grew up in the church, and I heard often you should read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. No one ever and I was in one of the biggest youth groups in America at the time, no one ever said, this is how you read the Bible. This is how you apply what you're reading. No one ever showed me. And I grew up in a pastor's home. 
So in that class, we learn what it means to have a daily quiet time with God, what it means to um, have accountability with other believers in the church. Scripture memory, how important is that? We talk about that in this class. Tithing, giving back to God and what he's blessed us with. And Bible study, how to really dig into the Scripture. So in 201, we talk about those things. And then after 201, we should start applying those in our life. And once we have those things going on, then we move on to 301, discovering my ministry. If you're a believer in Christ, you have a spiritual gift to use. And so in that class, we learn about our spiritual gifts, how God has shaped us to um, serve him in his church. Uh, we, have, we learn about our passions, our heart, what makes us tick, what burdens us. Uh, we learn about our abilities, how has God given us different abilities that we can use, our experiences, how, how has God given us experiences life that we can use um, in ministry. And then we find our fit in the body of Christ here at Nags Head Church. And we plug in and connect and we serve. Um, learn about missions. I mean, sorry, about ministry. Um, the 401, discovering my mission. We learn how to share our testimony, our story. Uh, we also learn about missions, both local and global missions. And then we're invited to join in missions. And let me just say, just from my personal observations, this may be the class we're weakest on, right? Because look, this is exciting right here. We get to baptize today. I would love to see it where we said the first Monday or Sunday of every month, we're baptizing at Nagshead Church because we're out sharing our faith in our community. And people are coming to Christ. That would be awesome to do. So 401, discovering my mission. 501 is discovering worship. In that class, we talk about what worship is and what worship is not. Uh, worship is not just music. We talk about how we worship. We talk about our worship style, and you go, what is that? You take the class, you find out. All right? So it's more than music. Now, here's the deal. We don't advance, right, to the next base until we've got down what we learned in the class before. So that's why it's going to slow down. And uh, so some of you are saying, well, what about life after 501? What if I've made it around the bases? Then what? Right? We looked at the verse this morning. It says, we're to go and make I know how that feels now, Rick. We're going to go and make. Right. Who's supposed to make the disciples? The pastors? All of us. Every believer is to be out there making disciples. So after you complete all the way through, you become a discipleship coach, if that's a word to say. You're going to help others in our church as they move around. So when Chris Jolly, he's been all the way around, but I'm going to pick on Chris. When Chris Jolly takes 201, a coach is going to follow up with Chris and talk about the things he learned, and help him process through that. And when he's ready, he'll, he'll go to 301. And then that coach will coach him after 301. So that's what our 501, and all of us who complete 501 are going to do that. And you're going to say, not everyone will do that. Well, we used to say that about ministry. Not everybody will serve. And we're like this close to 100%, right, serving in ministry. I think all of us can coach um, other believers. We're supposed to be making disciples. And so that's life after 501. Um, our partners become discipleship coaches. Also, um, something Rick touched on, classes and programs don't produce disciples. Even though you take these classes, you, that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be a disciple, right? So we have to have other people discipling people. People disciple people, right? It's not going to happen organically. We'd like to think so, but in a group this size, maybe three or four of you would say, I would love to have somebody disciple me one-on-one. Three or four of you would say, I would love to disciple somebody one-on-one. -on -one. But if left up to us just to do on our own, it's not going to happen. So that's where the bus driver comes in, right? We're going to get this thing going. All right. Also, 
Um, in order to be a team leader or a connection group leader at Naxa Church, you're going to have to have gone all the way around through 501 to become a leader because in each class you learn a little bit more about who we are as a church and why we do the things we do. So when you complete, you have a good understanding of who Naxhead Church is. Also, when we do our peace mission trips coming up in the future, there's going to be special things that we do as teams that will go to the Bahamas to help churches, and you will have to have completed all of those classes before you can go on some of those mission trips. Not all of them, but some of them. So that's where we're headed in our strategy and our, our, our going around the bases as a, a church in our classes. And I'm the bus driver. And I hope you'll get on the bus, right? And we'll have a good time. All right? Pastor Ray. Can you stay up here? Let me ask you a couple questions. Sure. I know this isn't in our notes and wasn't planned. I had lots of coffee this morning. Good. Um, And I was asked this question yesterday. And you mentioned, you know, about becoming base coaches. But somebody who says, well, I've been all around all the bases, been through 501, but I want to start taking the classes over again. Is that okay? Please do. Right? We don't remember things. Some of it, Rick asked us a question at the very beginning of the sermon about last week, and we were like, some of us were like, uh, what was last? We forget things. So, yeah, it'd be great, especially if it's been a while since you've been through. In, in the last couple classes, the last class I taught, 201, we had several partners coming through again because they wanted to refresh and learn some of that again. And, and one of the one of the person that asked me said, so what, what should I tell folks in, in, in a connection group who asked that question? What class should they start with? And I said, well, I would think they would start with 101. Yeah, go back to 101 because that's where we learn who we are as a church, our vision, our purpose, our doctrine. It's a good reminder of why we are here. All right. Second question is, um, so April showers bring May flowers. Um, Hope your windows are up. Yeah, so, so Mine aren't. Um, there are some people you just said you got before you become a ministry team leader, a connection group leader, you have to bend all the way around. And we have some folks because nobody was driving the bus for a while that you're and thank God for you. You're a ministry team leader or you're a connection group te- uh, leader, but you haven't completed all the bases yet. Do they have to resign? No, it's a two step process. First, they take me out to dinner. <laughs> and we talk about it there. No, they don't have to resign, but they need to make sure they get on the bus yeah. and start working their get way on through. The bus, Gus. But moving from this point forward, if you're sitting here and you say, I want to be a leader of this ministry team, or I want to lead a connection group, if you have not been around, you just have to wait. We're not in a hurry, all right? Jesus could come back tomorrow. There's no need to hurry. We're not going to accomplish this by tomorrow. He could come back in 20 years. We're not in a rush to get through this. Okay. If you have questions about that, at nagsheadchurch.info, you can put your question in there. Or you can send it to Nags, Andy at Nagshead Church. You can uh, write it on there. And, uh, but if you have questions, please, you say, well, I don't know where I am on the basis. I don't even know if I'm a partner. Ask, and we'll, we'll, we'll let you know that, all right? I'm going to go roll up my windows. Okay. Change your shirt, too, while you're at it, all right? All right, last point this morning. Every Christian, then, should seek to become a disciple. Every one of us. We've been saved, those of us who are saved. We've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ at some point in our life. Um, And probably we've been baptized. By the way, if you are a believer, but you've never been 
baptized as a believer and you say, you know, that's something I need to do. Tell us today and we'll, we'll leave the water in the tank um, for another week. And, um, and we'd be glad to baptize you next Sunday. Um, but let us know that. And you can do that on that card as well. Uh, because those original disciples, Matthew 28, again, 19, going to all the world and make disciples of every nation. Because they were told to make disciples, we know that I can't, you can't go this journey alone. We can't do it. That's why they were told to make disciples. I need others to go with me. I need those. And here's what Andy was talking about with the coaches. I need those who are already ahead of me on the journey to lead me, to model Christ for me as they are still continuing to move on their own journey. I need examples, don't you? I need coaches. I need the church. Listen to Paul's words to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.2. Paul said to him, Timothy, what you have learned from me. What was Paul saying there? I taught you. What you have learned from me in the presence of many witnesses, take what you've learned from me and commit it to faithful men. Why? So that they will be able to teach others also. There are four generations of disciples in that verse, are there not? You got Paul, Timothy, the faithful men that Timothy would teach, and then the generation that those faithful men would teach. And that continues to go on in perpetuity. And the reason that we know that, here's the proof in the pudding. We're in this room today because those guys did that. Do you understand that? The only reason we're here, the only reason we know Jesus is because Paul and Timothy, faithful men and those they taught, kept it going for 2,000 years. We can't let it stop, can we? My goodness. It's just like in a relay race. I used to be when I, I ran track when I was in the ninth grade. And I was a sprinter and I ran, one of the events I ran was the, um, the, the 880 relay. Back then we still had yards. We didn't have meters back in those days. They hadn't been invented yet. And, uh, <laughs> and so each runner ran a half a length of the track and you were handed a baton by the guy before you and you handed the baton to the guy coming up next, passing the baton. You couldn't win the race if you dropped the baton. The baton had to be passed correctly within the bounds. We're passing the baton from one generation to the next. So let me ask you a question. Do you? Do you pass the baton? Let me ask you a question. Are you a disciple? Would you bow with me in prayer? Are you a disciple? Where are you on the journey? And some of you would say, if I asked you to raise your hand and be honest, some of you say, you know, Rick, I've stopped. I put it in park. I'm in neutral. Or, I, you know, I think I'm in drive, but it just seems like I'm spinning my wheels and going nowhere. Are you stopped? Are you moving forward? And here's the big question. Are you taking someone along with you? Are you passing the baton. Let's be disciples in Axehead Church and pass it on. Father, it's your word. You, we didn't make this stuff up. You did.
And you made it up, put it in your word for us to follow. Thank you for the steps of becoming a disciple and that Jesus made them so clear. And the New Testament writers and epistles and apostles expounded on it for us, taught it to us. They did what Paul said to Timothy. And Timothy passed it on and those guys passed it on and kept passing it on until here we are today. Let's keep passing it on. Let's be disciples. Let's show the world who Jesus is by our lives and how we respond and how we react and the compassion that we show and and all the things that we learn from Jesus. Help us to identify with him and with his church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world. 